Our Old Testament passage today is a little long. We begin in Ezra chapter 9, verse 1. After these things had been done, the officials approached me and said, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land with their abominations, from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. All right, so we have a problem here. The people of Israel, the priests, and the Levites. All right, so we have the people and all spiritual leadership. And the problem was a lack of separation. Now, we have the same thing in the world today where preachers do not want to separate themselves from sin. Paul said, come out and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He said, and I'll be a father to you. But we, we have, again, people and spiritual leaders who do not want to separate themselves from the peoples of the land, the, the sinful practices that are going on. They don't want to separate themselves. They, they want to engage the culture. So in other words, these people were engaging the culture. <laughs> Why? For they have taken some of, the some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the land. And in this faithlessness, the hand of the officials and the chief men have been foremost. Wow. So leaders were the worst. Wow. We got some women we haven't seen before. These are beautiful. They don't look like our Jewish women. Wow. They're nicer to us than our Jewish women. Wow. And so these men led the way. As soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled my hair from my head. <laughs> Every time I look at that, I go, Ezra, come on, dude, keep your hair. Pulled my hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. I mean, he was, he was moved by this. Now, notice the next part. Then, all who trembled at the words of God. Do you tremble at the word of God? Because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles gathered around me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice. So notice, these are the returned exiles. Now, get a hold of this now. These were new experiences. These women, they'd never seen women that looked like this before. They'd never heard accents of women like this before. These were new experiences with people. And some of them, they let their hearts get caught up in it. He said, but now there were people who trembled at the words of God because of the faithlessness. There were people who recognized, yeah, you know, these returned people have had some new experiences and they've really gotten themselves in trouble with new experiences. This, now, not a straight talk. Sometimes when I watch our people immigrate, and they get into a new culture, they go to America, they go to Australia, they're, they're so busy trying to fit in that they forget who they are. Let me say that one more time. They're so busy trying to fit in, they forget who they are. I remember sitting down with a young man one time, their family had immigrated to New Jersey, and he walked into the sala and he was acting all gangsta. And I looked and I said, what in the world? 
And he said, what do you mean, Pastor? I said, dude, I grew up in Flint, Michigan and Detroit. I understand gangsta. I said, what are you trying to do being gangsta? You're Pinoy. He forgot who he was. That's what had happened to these returned exiles. They got back in and they saw these beautiful women and they just forgot who they were. Now the people who trembled at the word of God, this was a problem. At the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting and my garment and my cloak torn and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. All right, so he's fasting and now he's praying. This is how you face sin in the camp or sin that has entered the family. Saying, oh my God, I'm ashamed and I blush to lift my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. And for our iniquities, we are kings and our priests have given unto the land, into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame as it is today. He said, hey man, same things caused today. He said, we're in so much trouble today because of this. And now for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God. He said, would you look at this? God had mercy. God had mercy. God showed favor to leave us a remnant and to give us a secure hold in this holy place that God might brighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our slavery. He said, now God's been merciful to us. All right, he said, he's left us a remnant to why? Give us a secure hold in the holy place, the temple ground. Number two, to brighten our eyes. And number three, grant us a little reviving in our slavery. He said, listen, in our slavery, the king let us come back here and rebuild the temple of God. And the king's even paying all this money for us and, and even giving us the money for the sacrifices. And, and, and look at what God has done. And, and look at what these people are doing. Okay, that, that's what's going on. Look at what God has done and look at what these people are doing. There's no, there's no gratitude in their hearts for God. For we are slaves. Yet our God has not forsaken us in our slavery, but has extended to us his steadfast love. Oh, I love that. He's reached out his steadfast love before the kings of Persia to grant us some reviving to set up the house of God, to repair its ruins, and to give us protection in Judah and Jerusalem. Wow. He said, look, God, God extended his love for us, and he, he revived us. All right, so revival. Revival was to establish God's house. Revival was to repair God's house and revival was to bring protection. Okay, he, he granted us some reviving. And now, our God, what shall we say after this? Look at, look at what we, you've done for us and then look at how these 
The faithlessness on the hand of the officials and chief men have been the foremost. And now, God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, The land you are entering to take possession of is a land impure with the impurity of the peoples of the land and with their abominations that have filled it from end to end with their uncleanness. Therefore, do not give your daughters to their sons, neither take their daughters for your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong, eat the good of the land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children forever. He said, now listen, here's the command. Command no intermarry. Command, do not seek their prosperity. Why? Number one, you need to be strong. Number two, you need to eat the good of the land. And number three, you need to leave an inheritance. to the people of Israel. I gave you this land. So God said, I've given you this twofold command for these three purposes, okay? And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, seeing that you, O God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserved and have given us such a remnant as this. Now, you need to get a hold of that one. God punishes us less than our iniquities deserve. Shall we break your commandments again? and intermarry with these peoples who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there would be no remnant nor any way of escape? O Lord, the God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, and none can stand before you because of this. What is this? What God has done? and their faithlessness. Chapter 10, verse 1. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel. For the people wept bitterly. Now notice one man response. can change a nation. So all started with him crying out to God. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra. We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Therefore, let us make a covenant with God, with our God, to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of the Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of the Lord and let it be done according to the law. All right, so we're going to do this according to number one, the counsel of the Lord, and number two, of those who tremble at the commandment of God. When you need counsel, now here's the truth. Principle. When you need advice about how to stop sin, how to stop sinning, go to those 
who tremble at the commandments of God. Don't, don't go to another guy that's caught up in it too. Go to somebody who trembles at the commandments of God. Go to somebody who's, who's like Ezra, who, who studies the word, who lives the word, and who teaches the word. Remember we taught you that the other day. Arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. All right? Arise, this is your task. All right, Ezra, this is your task. We're with you. Be strong and do it. Okay, Ezra, clean up our lives. <laughs> now, please forgive my laughing at this, but that's exactly what we do as pastors. People totally screw up their life. And then they come to us and say, hey, now, now this is your job, Pastor. Clean up my life. Pastor, this is your job. Clean up my son's life. This is your job, Pastor. Clean up my daughter's life. <laughs> but this is our work, all right? Then Ezra arose and made the leading priests and the Levites and all Israel take an oath that they would do as they had said. So they took the oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Jehanan, the son of Elisheb, where he spent the night, neither eating bread nor drinking, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the Israels. So his fasting continued. He did not stop fasting as soon as the people said, we want to change. Okay? Now, you've got to get a hold of that. Fasting continued until real change not just words. A lot of people say, oh yes, we ought to change, fix our lives. But when they go back and think about it, no, nah, I kind of enjoy that. And a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the returned exiles that they should assemble at Jerusalem. So all these returned exiles, because again, it wasn't the few that were left, it was the returned exiles that were the problem. And if anyone did not come within three days by order of the officials and elders, all his property should be forfeited, and he himself banned from the congregation of the exiles. Then all of the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the twelfth day of the month, and all the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter, number one, and number two, because of the rain. <laughs> now, ninth month, it is cold and wet. Okay, I mean, it is, uh. If you've been with us to Israel and think about December, January, it's cold and wet. And when Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, you have broken faith and married foreign women, and so increase the guilt of Israel. Now then, make confession to the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of this land and from the foreign wives. So number one, make confession. Number two, do his will. Number three, separate yourselves. Then all the assembly answered in a loud voice, it is so, we must do as you have said. They all agree. But the people were many. And it's the time of the heavy rain. You know, you're dealing December, January. We cannot stand in the open nor is this task a one day or two day, for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. We agree, but we'll take time. And hey, we, we can't stay out in this freezing cold rain. Let our officials stand before the whole assembly. 
Let all in our cities who have taken foreign wives come at the appointed times, and with them the elders and judges of every city, until the fierce wrath of our God over this matter is turned away from us. All right, so they say we're going to come group by group. We're going to come by group. Only Jonathan, the son of Ashiel, and Jehaziel, the son of Tekva, opposed this. Meshulam and Shabbatai, the Levites, supported them. So here's my question. Why? Now again, do I have an answer for you yet? No, but you never learn until you ask the question. Why did Jonathan, the son of Ashiel, and Jaziah, the son of Tekva, oppose this suggestion of coming group by group? Then the returned of the exiles did so. Ezra the priest selected men, heads of the father's houses, according to their father's house, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month, they sat down to examine the matter. And on the first day of the first month, they had come to the end of all the men who had married foreign women. All right, so they sat down on the first day of the tenth month, and by the first day of the first month, all right, so this took two months, two months to clean up the mess. Now there were found some of the sons of the priests had married foreign women. Maasiah, Eliezer, Jerob, and Jedaliah, some of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Jazadak, and his brothers. They pledged themselves to put away their wives, and their guilt offering was a ram of the flock for their guilt. Of the sons of Imar, Hanani, and Zebediah, of the sons of Haram, Maasiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jael and Uzziah, of the sons of Pashur, Elonai, Maaseah, Ishmael, Nathaniel, Jezadab, and Elisha, of the Levites, Jozabad, Shami, Keliah, that is Kelita, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer, of the singers, Elishib, of the gatekeepers, Shulam, Telem, and Uri, of Israel, of the sons of Parosh, Rameah, Isaiah, Machajah, Majalim, Majamim, Eliezer, Hashbabiah, and Benaiah, of the sons of Elam, Mathathiah, Zechariah, Jael, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah, of the sons of Zatu, Elonai, Elishib, Methaniah, Jeremoth, Zabad, and Aziza, of the sons of Bebai, were Janahan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Aslai, of the sons of Bani, Meshulam, Maluk, Adiah, Jashub, Sheel, and Jeremoth, of the sons of Pahath, Moab, Adna, Shalal, Benaniah, Masahiah, Methaniah, Bezalel, Beni, and Manasseh, of the sons of Haram, Eliezer, Ishajah, Makajah, Shemamah, and Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, and Shemariah, Boy, these are hard names. Of the sons of Hashum, Methanah, Methathah, Zabab, Ephelet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimi. Of the sons of Bani, Maadai, Amran, and Ui, Benaniah, Bedadiah, Shalohi, Vanaah, Meramoth, Elisheb, Methaniah, Methanai, Jaashu. Of the sons of Binui, Shimi, Shelemiah, Nathan, Adadiah, Mak, Makna Debai, Shashi, Sharai, Azariah, Shelemiah, 
Shemariah, Shalomun, Amariah, and Joseph. Of the sons of Nidu, Jael, Mathathiah, Zadab, Zebanah, Jadai, Joel, and Benaniah. All these had married foreign women, and some of the women had even born children. Whew, that was a long list of names. Now I want you to notice that sometimes people that get themselves in trouble, you don't get in it real quick, and you don't get out of it real quick. Okay, sometimes people get themselves caught up in sin, and it's, it's kind of a confusing Gordonian knot, and it's a little hard to untie. And it took a couple of months to get this all unwound and figured out. Sometimes when you've gotten yourself messed up in sin, it takes a little while to get yourself extricated. But notice, if you've been off with another woman, these men had to leave those wives. You need to get back with your own wife in Jesus' name. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Now, I want you to remember as we get into this, we're going to be talking about spiritual people. Now, in chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, we talked about spiritual people. And we talked about natural people. There's three kinds of people. There's spiritual people. That's a Christian who's living right for God. There's natural people. That's an unsaved person. And now we're going to get into some other people. But brothers, now notice he's talking to believers. I could not address you as spiritual. Wow. But as people of the flesh, these are carnal. Carnal Christians. Let's just call it what they are. Carnal Christians. As people of the flesh. As infants of Christ. So notice a few principles here. Teaching determined by spiritual level. As people of the flesh, carnal, as infants of Christ. All right, so a carnal Christian is a baby, or we would call it a perpetual baby. You know, there are some Christians that never grow spiritually. I mean, they, they've been saved for 30 years, and they still act like a just-born-again Christian. They, they never grow. And this is what he's talking about here in Corinth. He said, you people have been saved a long time, but I can't address you as spiritual. I can only address you as carnal, as babies. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. All right, so again, our spiritual level determines content. And even now, you're not yet ready. He said, my goodness, after all these years, you, you still haven't grown. For you are still of the flesh. You are still carnal. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? <laughs> okay, so jealousy and strife is only the human way, not the Christian way. Folks, you should never be jealous of other people. For, forgive me, you should never be jealous of other people. God won't do for anybody else what he won't do for you. God is not a God who shows favoritism. So there's no point in jealousy. And he said the strife. You know, there are some people that just love to go around and fight and stir up trouble. Have you ever noticed that I don't respond to that? Pastor, you should defend yourself. Why? See, one of the things I learned many, many years ago from a pastor named, oh my goodness, Steve Warner from Evergreen Park, Chicago. He was, a, he was a guy who just took some time and taught me. He was a really good man and a really smart man. And he taught me, he said, you know, there's no point in ever defending yourself. He said, people believe what they want to believe. And it's true. So I don't fight back with these people. But whenever you see somebody who's in strife and all they're doing is going around stirring up strife, they are telling you they are not a spiritual Christian. They are a carnal Christian. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not merely being human? Remember, this is the patronage system. We studied this in detail in our studies in Corinthians. Under, in their culture, they followed a person. It was called the patronage system. 
Some said, I follow Paul. Others said, I follow Apollos. He said, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. As God assigned to each. All right, now, Paul said, you need to understand the reality of spiritual leadership. As spiritual leaders, we are servants. We are servants that God uses. We are servants who God uses to do his assignment. We're not doing this because it's what we want to do. We're doing this, yes, of course we should be wanting to do it. You know what I mean. But these are our assignments. I planted Apollo's water, but... God gave the growth. He said, listen, the glory goes to God. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So Paul said, listen, all right, I, I came and planted the seed. I came and preached and preached and preached and preached and preached. Apollos came and watered. Beautiful movings of the Holy Spirit. That was wonderful. But he said, you know what? Only God gives the growth. So the glory only goes to God. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. All right? So God rewards. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. All right, so Paul said, understand what a, a Christian leader is. A Christian leader is just God's fellow workers. Understand who a Christian is. The Christian, the local church, you plural, are God's field and God's building. He said, we just work together to build these things. According to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how we build on it. So, all right. So Paul said, ministry is by grace. He said, he said every person's life needs, you need a foundation. Now, Paul was a skilled foundation layer. Now, you know how there are companies that all they do is build foundations? This is Paul. Paul said, there in Corinth, man, I, I built a strong foundation. Man, like a skilled master builder. Paul said, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I, I will, I'm a skilled master builder. I like that. Paul is, Paul is not being shy. Paul is not being prideful. But he says, like it is. He said, like a skilled master builder. He said, man, I'm good at this. I laid a foundation. He said, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. He says, so all right, your life, Paul said, I built foundations in. But now other leaders are going to come along and they're going to build on top of those foundations. And each one needs to be careful how they build upon it. Now, I understand that. Because I'll sit down with somebody and they're in college and they go through their college years in COP and maybe some of their early work years in COP, and then they go to the province. Now, when they were with us, these were good people. These were hardworking people. They lived for Jesus. They read their Bible every day. They fasted. They prayed. They, they lived a holy life. And 10 years later, they come back and you look at them and go, what happened to your spiritual life? Because you realize the foundation is still there. 
But the stuff that's been added above it, it's like somebody's been building with some hollow blocks and some some twigs and branches and maybe a few broken stones and, and maybe a little bit of mud. and You know, their whole spiritual life is wobbly and, and poorly built. You need to be careful. When you begin to build in somebody's life, Paul said, you need to be careful. He said, no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Christ. I like that. Paul said, my job, build Christ into your life. <laughs> oh, I love that. This is the foundation. Paul said, I built Christ into your life. He said, now anyone who builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will be manifest. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has done, that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, basically what Paul is saying is, now listen, those of you in leadership there in Corinth, you need to understand something. I built a strong foundation in people's lives, and it's going to stand. He said, now, you have to choose the materials of building. The materials of construction. Do you build with the precious gold, silver, precious stones? Or do you build the costly? Or do you build with the cheap? The cheap and easy. Now, you know, you can build people's lives cheap and easy, okay? You, you can just teach little fluffy doctrines that don't say much. You can just teach little little fluff ball sermons that, that, you know, just basically Facebook slogans. He said, but when you build people's lives like that, in, in the days of fire, when things are challenged like COVID-19, he said, you know what? It's going to be manifested what's been built in their life. And he said, if it survives, you receive a reward. If you do not survive, you will suffer loss. Now, that doesn't mean pastors won't go to heaven. That means pastors will suffer loss. There are many pastors when they get to heaven. They will be saved, but they will have little or no rewards because they have chosen fluff. They've chosen the wood, hay, and stubble to build into people's lives rather than the costly and the precious. Now, now brothers and sisters, you also have a responsibility in this. You, you should not sit there while somebody just patches your life with, with trivial things. You should make sure that you hear the word of God and that the sound biblical doctrines and principles of the word of God are what is built within your life. You have a responsibility in this also. Do you not know that you are God's temple? I like that. One of the first songs I remember as a baby Christian is, Know ye not, know ye not that you are the temple. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? <laughs> okay, so who am I? I am God's temple. God lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. All right, now we have to take a hard look at this. Now, people come to me and I say, Pastor Summerall, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you shouldn't smoke um, if anyone destroys God's temple. 
Now, please, you, you, you can't play games with me on this because I smoked two packs of cigarettes from the time I was about, what, 10, 10 years old, something like that, until I got saved. Two packs a day and a pipe. As I got a little older, got into high school and college, a pipe plus two packs a day. Man, I was a walking chimney. You, you can't tell me that that does not destroy a person's lungs. It causes cancer. It causes all kinds of things. Now, whether it's smoking, please forgive me, whether it's overeating, too much sugar, too much rice, we have to understand that this body is God's temple, and we should take care of it. Your body is precious. Well, it's my body. I can do with it what I want. You know, okay, fine. That's a nice little slogan. But um, you are the temple of God. God has chosen to dwell in you. We, we should not destroy the temple of God. You know, you, you talk to people today, and they're doing a variety of things to their physical body. They're cutting it. They're mangling it. They're, they're doing, it doesn't matter whether it's food that you eat or alcohol or drugs or whatever. We should take good care of this body, not just because we want to live a long life, but because this body is not our own. This body belongs to God. We have a stewardship of this body. This body is not us, okay? I mean, we are a spirit being. We have a soul and we have a body. This body, yes, we live in it and we walk around in it, but this body also belongs to God. You are God's temple. Let's take care of the body. Now, some of you are listening to me say, Pastor Summerall, how did you stop smoking? I just quit. After two packs a day from the time I was about 10 years old until the day before my 18th birthday when I got saved. You say, what, well, is it easy? You know what? I never really thought about it. I just understood I'm a Christian. I just got born again. I just got set free. And I ran back to my dormitory in between classes, took all my pipes and cigarettes and threw them in the garbage, yelling, I'm free, I'm free. And my two Christian roommates were thinking, this guy's gone nuts. They didn't understand. I just got, I got saved. <laughs> okay. You have been set free. You don't need patches, and you're never going to do it by just cutting down to how many sticks a day. You just stop. All right, that's all free. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Now he defines what those all things are. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life, death, present, future, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. So Paul says, hey, I belong to you. You don't belong to me. You're not my member. I'm your pastor. Ah, I see there's a little mind change there. He said, the spiritual leaders belong to you. Paul belongs to you. Apollos belongs to you. Cephas or Peter belongs to you. The world, life, death, present, future, all are yours. All of these things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. A beautiful upward funnel of understanding. So don't ever go around and think, well, I'm Pastor Summerall's member. No, you are not my member. I am your pastor. Ah, all things are yours.
this is the words of an adulterous woman. An adulterous woman. This woman says, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings and colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. She wanted an all-night, all-night sex. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. She says, all right, it's safe. She says, I am available and wanting. Now, men, please listen to me. A lot of men can't stand up to that kind of pressure. The woman comes out acting all spiritual And she says, listen, I really want I really want to spend an all-night sex trade with you. Oh, I really want this. I've laid everything out. Everything's prepared. Everything's wonderful. And there's no way we're going to get caught. My friends, don't listen to that. If some woman comes along and says, come on, let's go. Let's go to the motel. Don't listen to that. This is nothing but destruction in your life. Men, there are a few things that will destroy your life and your marriage more than sexual immorality. In fact, really, I can't think of anything that will destroy your life, your career, your family, like sexual immorality. Learn the Joseph principle. Learn to run. Don't sit there and look at the opportunity. Run in Jesus' name. All right. We'll see you tonight.